0: You will uh, stand and grab your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning and turn to the first book. The first page, more than likely, to the book of Genesis will be in Genesis chapter 1. we will be in the same text we were in last week, verses 26 through 31. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Pew Bible in front. You can find it on page 1. Once again, we'll be reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 as Pastor Bruce finishes the part 2, the second part of the series, or second part of the message, uh, the crown of creation. And we can find it in our text. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 31, please follow along as I read. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, we thank you for your creation. We thank you that uh, that, you, that you laid the foundations of the earth, and we thank you that That you were there in the beginning and had a plan for us and for uh, the earth from the the time of creation. And uh, we just ask that we would just be open and listen to your word this morning. And just have it uh, just seep into our lives and, and change us and to learn and grow more in our awe and reverence and worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue in our series in
1: Genesis, we are answering some of life's biggest questions. Like, why did God create people? Perhaps you have wondered that. Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And sooner or later, all of us wonder these questions. We we think about them. We go to bed at night and we wonder, why did God create me? You know, what is my meaning? What is the significance of why I'm here? And some people think life has no meaning. Some people think life has no purpose. In fact, Clarence Darrow, who is an American lawyer, he compared life to a ship that is just tossed by every wave and by every wind. A, a ship headed to no port and no harbor with no rudder, no compass, no pilot, and just simply floating for a time then lost in the waves. He says that's what our lives are all about. Others think the answer to these questions, these big questions of life, are unknowable, and that life is just one big mystery. For example, Stephen Hawking wrote, If we find an answer to that, these questions, why we in the universe exist, it would be the ultimate of human reason, for then we would know the mind of God. Well, we do know the mind of God. In fact, the book of Genesis tells us the mind of God here, in particular when it comes to the answers of these questions. It tells us why God created people. God answers our biggest questions in life right here in the first pages of his word here in Genesis chapter 1. Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And what we see in the book here of Genesis... In the text that Zach read for us is that we were created to spread God's glory to the ends of the earth. If you want to take notes, you're welcome to pull out that insert and follow along or just follow on the on the screen behind me here. But we were created to spread God's glory to the ends of the earth. This is why you exist. No matter what your vocation is in life, this is your purpose in life. All of us were created to to spread the glory of God to the ends of the earth. Creation is all about God. That's what we have seen for the last few Sundays. It's all about God and His glory. As the psalmist says in Psalm 19:1. the very heavens declare the glory of God. And so the universe was created to declare the glory of God, and then we exist. The reason we are here is to also declare the glory of God to the ends of the earth. This is made clear in Numbers 14, 21, where the Lord says, But truly, as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And in Isaiah 43, 7, where the, the Lord refers to His people as those whom I created for my glory. This is why mankind, then, is the crowning point of creation. Everything up to this point in the Genesis creation account has been getting the earth ready for mankind, making it habitable so that mankind can live on this earth. And so creating man, creating woman, is the, very, it's the final act of God's filling the earth. It's the climax, if you will, of the story of creation. So what is it then that makes us special? What is it that makes you unique as a human being that is totally different and distinct from animals? Well, she communicates in sign language using a vocabulary, get this, of over 1,000 words. She also understands spoken English and often carries on bilingual conversations, responding in signs to questions asked in English. She is learning the letters of the alphabet and can read some printed words, including her own name. She has achieved scores of between 85 and 95 on the Stanford binet Intelligence Test. That's a gorilla called Coco. And apparently, she is also able to make faces, draw representationally, and even laugh at her own jokes. So what's the big deal then about being human? As are we, as the atheist philosopher Peter Singer says, specious. In other words, what he means by that word, are we elitist to claim a special status for the human race? There's no doubt that as we look at the Genesis creation story here in God's word, that Genesis celebrates the creation of animals. God even blessed the animals, and he caused them to multiply. And twice we are told that in relation to the animals, the creation, he said, all this is good. And yet, when we come to the creation here of mankind, it's obvious that that we alone are given a unique place of importance and special significance that sets us apart from the animals. And so as the crowning point of God's creation, we were created to spread God's glory to the ends of the earth. And so what I want us to do is is continue to discover the implications of this in our second part of this message here that we started last Sunday. And so last Sunday we learned two truths about the creation of mankind here in the Genesis creation account. And the first truth that we learned was we were created by a, a divine plan. We were created by the plan of God. When he says in Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let us indicates that there's this divine dialogue as God deliberates with the Godhead about the creation of mankind. And the us there is in reference to the plurality of God, what we would later come to know as the trinity of God. And so God is one, but he exists as three persons. You have the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so here's the point of this. We, we, you, we were all created by a divine plan. It was God's decision and it's God's doing to create mankind. There were no outside influences at the moment when God said, let us make man in our image. And so motivated by nothing but his own sovereign will, his perfect and good will, God made the decision to bring man into existence. And that's exactly what God did then, as Moses tells us in the next verse here in 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's the first truth that we learned about the crowning point of creation as mankind. Number two, we also learned, the second point here, that we were created in this divine pattern, though. We were created by a divine plan, but also a divine pattern. What's significant is that both animals and man were created on the same day, day number six. And yet, we see that there was something distinct about man that made him different from the animals. God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And what makes mankind distinct from all the other creatures is that we were created in what Moses is referring to here, in the image of God. And this distinction, well, it's incredible. It's, uh, it's significant. And it, it's radical, and it's, it's unbelievable, it's amazing, it's all the adjectives you can come up with image here that Moses uses. Image and likeness are basically synonymous. They seem to be saying uh, two ways of saying the same thing, And, and so what are they saying? And we saw last Sunday that it's saying at least three things. It says a lot of things, and there have been a tremendous amount of books written about the image of God and what it means, but we can at least say it means these three things. Number one, it means we are a unique reflection of God, and this is this is not in your notes, this is what we learned last Sunday. We're this unique reflection of God. When mankind was created, he was made like God in a way that he reflected, get this, the very glory of God. That's amazing. Does that mean we look like God? No, image here It doesn't refer to our, our physical appearance necessarily, it refers to likeness or nature. And yet we also said at the same time, there's this obviously, there is a big difference between God and man. I mean, God's in a class all by himself. God is holy, holy, holy. And so as human beings, we, we cannot accurately or even completely reflect the eternal, infinite, holy nature of God. And yet, we are a unique reflection of God. Why? Because we are made in his image. That's mind-blowing. Number two, we also learned that we have this capacity then to relate to God. That is a capacity to know God, to be in a relationship with God where we love Him and we serve Him and we worship Him. Being made in God's image means that God relates to us and we relate to God in a way that is far different than the animals. And we also talked about how if you have pets, you love your pet. I have two dogs. I love my dogs. In fact, sometimes I love them more than my boys. Nah, just kidding. And uh, But our pets are not made in the image of God. You are. We are. A dog is a dog. A cat is a cat. And so they can never know God in a way that we can know God. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. Only we can know the God who made us. And then we saw last Sunday, number three, the image of God. It at least also means that we are ultimately responsible to God. Because we are made in the image of God, we are therefore responsible to God for how we live in the image of God. In fact, the very first thing as we're going to see here in just a few moments is that what God does after he creates mankind is that he gives them a command to obey. And by implicit in that is we are responsible to God then. We're accountable to God. And so, we'll see, talk about that just here in a minute. But the implications of all this in the image of God is rather significant. Being created in the image of God is what makes you distinct from the animals. It's also what gives you dignity as a human being. But this distinction and this dignity is not, get this, it is not the primary meaning of what it means to be created in the image of God, although it is very significant. And the implications of it are significant. But it's not the main emphasis Moses is actually making here in Genesis chapter 1. Moses emphasizes one area of resemblance between us and God above all others, That tells us what it means to be created in the image of God, which brings us to our third truth. Notice number three, we are created for a divine purpose. For a divine purpose. So yes, we are created with this divine plan, God's doing, God's decision. We are created in this divine pattern in the image of God, and we now have to expand, well, what in the world does that mean? And now Moses is going to tell us exactly what that means here. The implication of being made in the image of God is we're created with a purpose. We have a divine purpose for why we are created in God's image. And it's simply this, let them have dominion. We find the purpose right there in that one little phrase. Oh, that phrase is packed with punch. Let them, that is mankind, have dominion. In other words, rule. We see this purpose in the rest of verse 26. Look at it with me. God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Some of your translations may say rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so, understand this. See the connection here. The phrase, let them have dominion, is the result of, let us make man in our image. So, being in the image of God is closely tied, then, to this idea of ruling. As we have already seen, God is the supreme ruler. He's the creator, And now he has created mankind in his image to actually share in his rule. This means, by the way, that we have been given a quote, you know, this kind of kingly status and role here on this earth. And to reinforce this very point here, the connection then between image and rule continues with this blessing that God gives to us. You find this blessing in verse 28. Drop down and look what it says. Then he, that is God, he blessed them. Who's the them? Well, he's talking about humanity, mankind. The first man, he blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So there it is again, this idea of rule, dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so the pattern that we find going on here in verses 26 and then it's somewhat repeated in verse 28 is this. You have image rule, image rule. Rule And the connection is obvious. God is the supreme ruler, and he has given us a divine purpose to rule as well. Why? Because we're in his image. What God does, we do, in other words. As one commentator says, the strongest case has been made for the view that the divine image makes man God's vice-regent on earth. In other words, almost like governors on earth managers if you will under God and so right from the beginning we see that this divine purpose to rule is a blessing from God God blessed man but it also it carries a responsibility so notice this in your notes here there's this creation blessing right at the beginning God blessed man with a cultural commission to spread God's glory That's the overarching theme. That's the overarching mandate, if you will. That's our overarching purpose that flows right out of these verses here. Because we're made in the image of God, we share in his rule. We're commissioned to rule. in this cultural commission is the idea of spreading God's glory because we are all about declaring the glory of God since we are made in his image. Now, let me kind of unpack that, if you will. And so if you're sitting there wondering, well, this is kind of getting deep. How do I make sense of all this? Just sit back and understand this. If you ever wondered, this, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here on this earth as a student in junior high or high school, in college, if you're in your 20s and 30s, you're just starting out in life, you're like, and you're like young in marriage, you're just having kids, you're like, what is my, what's my purpose in life? Or even if you're in your 50s or you're a senior adult and you're retired, This is everyone's purpose in life. This is why you were created, regardless of what your vocation is. Your vocation is simply the means by which you support yourself, by which you you provide for yourself and or your family. And through that vocation, we are to do this. This is our mission, then, through the vocation that God directs and leads us in. God blessed man. He blessed you with this cultural commission, this mandate to spread God's glory. How do we do that? Through ruling. What's interesting, though, is that God actually blessed both man and the animals. Let me show you this. After God created the animals, it says in verse 22, if you back up there, and God blessed them, that is speaking of the animals, saying, Be fruitful and Multiply. And then you drop down to verse 28, and you see the same thing. Then he blessed, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. So it sounds so similar, doesn't it? And yet there is a vital difference. You're like, where? Show me. Only to mankind does God speak to them personally and then tells them mankind to have dominion it's this blessing then to have dominion to multiply and have dominion that actually enables mankind to fulfill their divine purpose or what is called this cultural commission to spread God's glory to the ends of the earth and in this respect we are oh so very different than the animals now Here's a summary of that. So you get the big picture here of what God's doing with this blessing. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, rule the earth. Why? Because you're in my image. Here's the implications. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it means. Notice, number one, rule over the earth. We've already begun to touch on this. The summary of our divine purpose is three things. Number one is rule over the earth. Being made in the image of God means that we are set up as vice regents or governors, managers over God's creation. We're God's governors ruling over that which God has created for us and placed us in. Now, let me show you how mind-boggling this is. We saw in the creation account that God formed the earth the first three days and then the next three days he what he filled the earth and as people now bearing his image we must now carry on where God left off in other words when God gives us his cultural mandate by subduing the earth we form the earth even more and by being fruitful in the earth We fill the earth even more. And so in a very similar way to what God did at creation, we, we as his creation, as mankind in his image, we continue throughout creation doing what? Two things. Forming and filling. Forming and filling. Forming and filling. Which is the same thing that God did at creation. Why is that what we do? Because we're made in his image. In a word, what God is calling for is civilization. Being created in God's image, we were given the task of forming cities, forming cultures, civilizations, and then filling them with people who love, serve, and worship God. And by doing this, you know what we're doing then? We are reflecting God's glory. We are expanding his rule over the whole earth via his image bearers. Now, of course, our status as rulers here on this earth, over the earth, is not absolute. But it is under God's authority as the supreme ruler. That's clear from the way our rule is derived from God's rule. As God says in verse 26, let them have dominion. The command for us to rule is the command from whom? God, the creator, is giving us this command. And so it comes from the creator, the sovereign, supreme creator of the universe, the all-powerful one that we've already talked about. It comes from him. And so we have authority now to rule, but it's given to us by God. We are managers or vice regents under the authority of God. And this means we are not to rule apart from God. That means God gets to set the agenda. That means God gets to set the boundaries That means God gets to set the laws by which we live in this world and rule over this world. And as we'll see when we get to Genesis chapter 3, though, when we try to rule apart from God, when we push God out of the picture, when we push him out of our lives, what we see then is that we make a mess of our lives, we make a mess of this world, we make a mess of our families, we make a mess of everything. But we'll get to that later in Genesis 3. For now, though, understand this aspect. This blessing to rule, and by the way, it's a blessing, it involves a stewardship of the earth. It implies lordship over the earth but not exploitation of the earth, but because of sin. And we see this rampant in our world today. Because of sin, man has gone in two directions when it comes to the earth and its resources. Either he has polluted and pillaged creation through excessive abuse and greed, we see that all the time, or he has been ruled by creation Through false worship of nature. And we see that in our culture here now too. So you have two extremes. Some plunder the earth for their own profit. And you have others that worship creation, worship nature, making then man subservient even to the animals in nature. And neither extreme is a biblical balance of what Moses is giving to us here. And so part of our responsibility in ruling over the earth is to care for God's creation and to use its resources in a way that glorifies God. Now, one little side note here that I actually find rather interesting is is what's stated in verse 29, is where God only gives the vegetation to mankind to eat. As one commentator put it, the dominion assigned to the human couple over the animal world does not include the prerogative to butcher. Now, I'll be honest with you, that makes me sad. <laughs> Perhaps you're in the same boat as me, but take heart, my fellow carnivores, because as we will see, After the flood, God gave us permission to eat meat. God says in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Now, does that mean it's more spiritual to be a vegetarian? Well, before you jump to that conclusion, remember that Jesus himself ate roasted lamb at the Passover and ate grilled fish after the resurrection. I say all that to simply say, whether you're a vegetarian or a carnivore, it's all part of God's goodness that Kansas City barbecue tastes so good. (laughs) So, eat meat, eat vegetables, eat fruit, whatever, and enjoy it. It's part of God's goodness for mankind for humanity so the first principle here this blessing this creation mandate here is to rule over the earth we rule why because god rules we're in his image number two it also means reproduce godly children on the earth reproduce godly children on the earth this command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth requires both male and female if you know what i'm saying This command that God gives to us here, it cannot be carried out by male alone or by female alone. There's no fruitful multiplication unless you have man and woman, male and female together. So in the very design of creation, here's what I want you to see. From the very onset, from the very beginning, God is giving mankind a responsibility that involves both male and female. This is why God makes a fundamental distinction here in verse 27. Look what he says again. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, notice what God's doing here. God is doing something for our benefit. He's doing something for our good. Okay, we've already seen that God is good. Everything he does in creation, after day one, after day two, after three, we've looked at this. God is good. What he does is good. He proclaims it good. In other words, that goodness is perfect. God is holy. It's within his nature. That's who he is. And so from the very beginning, God is doing something for our good, for humanity's good. And that is he is establishing that being made male and female is fundamental to our identity as human beings who are created in the image of God god has created men and women listen to me equal in their essential dignity and personhood but different and complementary in their functions both biologically and socially and notice that this distinction between male and female is not the result of the fall it's not the result of sin this is all takes place before Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned. Because some people want to incorrectly say that. They want to distort this distinction and talk about, well, it's about, it happens because of the fall. It's something that God intended from the very beginning. And it's good. It's very good. Nobody, therefore is a generic human being there's no such thing god never intended that there be god creates male human beings and he creates female human beings and this is grand and this is glorious so don't diminish this distinction delight in it god wants us to celebrate it god wants us to glory in being alive as the male person that you are and the female person That you are. So, what we see from the very beginning is that gender, listen to me, gender is not set by what I feel or what I think in my mind, but by what God determined in the design of my body. Now, today, there is an accelerated push to blur this male female distinction by those who reject god and his word here in genesis chapter one but this worldview, which our culture is propagating which our culture has embraced this worldview strikes against a fundamental distinction that god wove into the very fabric of creation and hence, when it is denied, when it is blurred, everything breaks down. Nothing works right when gender distinctions are blurred. They may work a little bit for a momentary time as, as people try. And, I, and I, if we had more time, we could go into it, the stats on all this. But it, it's, it breaks down. Society breaks down. Families break down. The person as an individual is not operating the way God designed them to operate. And so the male-female distinction is essential to our very purpose as God's image-bearers in spreading God's glory to the ends of the earth. It's woven into that. And you see it here from the beginning at creation. Now, I say those two things to really bring us to this third aspect of what it means to uh, bear the image of God, to live out your purpose in life. And that is, number three, to represent God and reflect his glory to the ends of the earth. This is ultimately the whole point of God creating us in his image. We are to represent God. We are to reflect his glory to the ends of the earth. God created this world, and he set everything up in place, and then he set us up as his, as his image bearers to represent him and to reflect his glory. How? By ruling over this earth. And so we reflect his glory, and we rule as his representatives. So just think of three R's. I'm a representative of God. I rule over this earth, and in doing so, I reflect the glory of God to the ends of the earth. Three R's, simple way to to catch it, understand it. In representing God, and reflecting His glory, here's what happens. We then, as human beings, we find our greatest purpose in life. We find our pleasure in life. We find meaning and satisfaction in life when we fulfill our God-given purpose in life. We find out what it means to be truly human beings who are created in the image of God. John Piper has captured this so well in his book Desiring God, which I highly recommend. He explains it this way, and I quote, Creation exists for man, but since God made man like himself, man's dominion over the world and his filling the world is a display, an imaging forth of God. God's aim, therefore, was that man would so act that he would mirror forth God, who has ultimate domain. Man is given the exalted status of image-bearer, not so that he would become arrogant and autonomous, as he tried to do in the fall, but so he would reflect the glory of his maker, whose image he bears. In other words, here's what he's saying. Image bearers are glory spreaders. As one who is created in the image of God, I am a glory spreader. The question is whose glory are you spreading? Are you seeking to spread your own glory through your own achievements in your own life? Or are you going to live in such a way? that you're going to spread the glory of God as our creator God. Everyone who is a human being is a glory spreader. The question is, whose glory are you spreading? Our purpose in life is to represent God. We are representatives of him and therefore to reflect his glory to the ends of the earth. Think about it. What's the point of setting up an image of someone? The point of an image is to what? Image. An image of George Washington points us to who? Bingo. An image of George Washington points us to the person of George Washington. You see an image of George Washington, in your mind, hopefully, you think about George Washington. So images represent and reflect the original or the reality. So why did God create mankind in his image? To represent him and to reflect his glory. In fact, do you realize God has now filled the world with 7 billion images of himself in every country, every tribe, and every language? Why did God do this? To glorify himself. You don't put up an image of somebody and then hope nobody notices it. You hope nobody makes any connection between the image and the reality. You were created in the image of God in order to image God, to display God, to show forth God. So people would look at you, your life, look at how you operate at school and go to school, how you operate at work, how you interact with your family, with your marriage and your wife, spouse, how you get along with your neighbors, how you think about things, how you make decisions when it comes to life, basically how you live, your attitude and actions, and people would say, wow, God must be great, God must be real, I want to know that God that they're imaging. That is why you were created. To represent God and to reflect his glory to the ends of the earth. This is your God-given purpose in life, no matter what you do as a vocation in life. But, oh, there's always a but, isn't there? But, as the creation story unfolds, we know what happens. Sin breaks into the picture. And our ability now... To do this, our ability to be perfect image bearers is shattered. Our hearts are wounded, the reflection is tarnished, and our very purpose is marred. But, oh, thank God for another but, there is hope. Which brings us to point number four. We were created with a divine promise. We were created with a divine promise. God's image can be restored. Yes, we are human beings created in the image of God, but what a mess we've made of this awesome dignity. Are we the image God made us to be? Is not the image marred almost beyond recognition? I mean, when you look at the greed and the hate and the lust and the violence that fills the human race today, man, it is horrible. Hard to discern the image of God in mankind. However, God doesn't leave us without hope. Because through Jesus Christ, we have the good news of God's promise. Notice what it is. The image of God has been marred by sin, but can be restored in Christ. The problem is, That because of our rebellion and sin, we don't represent God. And we don't reflect His glory. In fact, we can't do this. Our relationship with God is severed. We've lost connection with the source and meaning of life. We are meant to reflect God's glory, but we don't. And so here's what happens. Here's the world in which we live. We have become our own gods. And we build civilizations, and we build personal kingdoms for our own glory. But our cities and our families are broken, they are corrupt, and they're dysfunctional, and everything is messed up, and we don't know who we are anymore as man, and we don't know why we're even here on this earth. We think we're here to fill our own pleasures glorify ourselves it's all about living the moment eat drink and be merry self-gratification and that's the world in which we find ourselves and people are groping for meaning and purpose in life because what they're chasing after is a mirage it's like cotton candy it doesn't fill it doesn't satisfy when God has given us the answers right here God in his mercy and grace He became fully human in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus lived in such a way that no person had ever done before or has done since. In fact, Jesus did what Adam and Eve were supposed to do. He lived for God's glory, and yet he died for man's sin on the cross. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could be restored in our relationship with God. And the Bible tells us that if we trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross, that we are given this new life. We are a new creation in Christ. And we have a new self which is being renewed after the image of its creator. And as new creations in Christ, we are now, get this, able to live for what we were made for. God's glory! So the good news of God's promise is yes, we are marred by sin just after creation, but what was marred by sin can be restored in us through the work of Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the gospel. Again, as John Piper writes, the point of being created in the image of God is that human beings are destined To display God. That's what images do. And the point of being redeemed by Jesus and renewed after the image of our Creator is to recover this destiny. In other words, only in Jesus Christ can we achieve our divine purpose to spread the glory of God. And all of this brings us now. From the cultural commission we have here in Genesis 1 to what Jesus calls, or what we refer to, as the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Notice this in your notes. The cultural commission is still in effect. But now the Great Commission is the primary way of spreading God's glory to the ends of the earth. When Jesus came... He left, but before he left, he gave us a mandate. He gave us a mission. Jesus tells us something. God told the first man in Genesis 1, and you you trace it all through, and we come to Matthew 28, and our mission now is to go and make disciples of all the nations, proclaiming the good news that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. This mission... It starts with us, it starts in our homes, it expands to our city, and then across the world. And with the Culture Commission and the Great Commission, we now have a purpose for living. And as we look forward, and oh, I hope you are, I hope you are looking forward to the day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so as Christ followers here this morning, here's my plea with you. That you would go into your world. You would leave here this morning, walk out of these doors and go back to your homes, go back to your neighborhoods, go to your schools, go to your jobs. And you would represent God and you would reflect his glory. And most of all, you would know that this is why you were created in the image of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again and we thank you, oh, how we thank you for the truth of your word to us today. Thank you for creating us in your image and sending Jesus to die for our sins so that your image would be restored in us. Help us now to fulfill our created purpose of representing you and reflecting your glory in and through our lives.